new series every single year at this time that brings us into the vision, the strategy, and the goal of Metro Praise. So you guys hear it every single week that our vision is to love God and love people. Our strategy is to make disciples by connecting, mentoring, and sending. And then our goal is 100,000 disciples here with 50 churches and 500 around the world. But every January, we want to focus you in on that. Now, some churches, they may have like a scripture verse for the year and then a theme and then whatever. Our theme is the same every single year. So what are we going to do? We're going to love God and love people. We're going to connect, mentor, send, and then the goal is 100,000. How many churches here? 50, 500 around the world. So when God started this church in our house, it was like he said, son, I'm going to give you enough to do for the rest of your life. You're going to, you're going to have to go back and have a vision Sunday every year. I'm going to give you enough vision that will scare you, and then people are going to want to give their life for it. And that's what I hope that you're here to do, because if you're going to go to church, and, and most of us have been born again. We believe in Jesus. We know church is important. So if you're going to go to church, you might as well go to church with a vision, right? There, You might, might as well go there wanting to accomplish something. And so instead of just endless services, endless conferences, endless whatever, we have a goal here. We have a, a thing that God has set us out to do. Now, I know God in his sense of humor, we may reach 100,000 in our lifetime, and he might look at us and go, that was just the introduction. I got another thing coming for you. I got another level for you guys. Or, and I said this to some of our SUM students, I said, let's say it never even happens in my lifetime. I said, well, then there's one thing everybody in my life or in this church will have learned. I was faithful. I was faithful. I was faithful to what God said. Let's say I die and there's only a thousand disciples. And, and, and you can almost hear like the devil going, wah, wah, you know. But I think that people will go, hey man, this man was faithful. See, Abraham was faithful that God was going to give him many nations as an inheritance. And he only got to live long enough to see his son. That was it. He didn't even get to live long enough, I don't think, for his grandchildren. Maybe Jared can check on that. Maybe his grandchildren at the most. But I'll tell you what, he was faithful. He counted those stars, and he counted the grains of sand, and he closed his eyes, and he believed that his, his inheritance, his generation would go beyond the numbers of stars in the sky and the sands of sea, uh, and sands in the desert, and you know what, by the seaside. And you know what, we are even a part of that today, because that's not just talking about the nation of Israel. It's talking about all the believers who came in the lineage of faith. Can I get an amen for that? And, and thank you. So today we're going to start this sermon series on this awesome idea that's found in the scriptures because every year I want to make it new and fresh. I just don't want to come up and just be like, here's the vision, here's the strategy. You get enough of that in the announcements. So every year I challenge myself to go into the scriptures to see how we can see what God has called us to do afresh and anew. And so this sermon series is going to be like kind of epic. It's got this epic thing going on this this picture here and I want to say it like really epic too you know like the church the pillar and foundation of the truth I want to say it like that. I want to say it like I mean something here, you know? So this is the sermon series, The Church. Everybody say, The Church, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Now, that is not my words. And those aren't things that we should take lightly. Those are the words of Holy Scripture. Are you ready? Can I get it out? I'm ready. Open up your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, here we go. Chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. 
Look at what the Bible teaches us. Paul is writing here and he says, although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God. Now say this last part with me. One, two, three. The pillar and foundation of the truth. Now some of you remember this when I talked about God and politics. During the God and politics uh, discussion that we had, that special event where we talked about things going on in our country, I used this scripture to explain why God must be in politics and how separation of God and politics, God and government, state and religion, religion and state, is a false separation never intended by our founders and it's really the destruction of this nation right now is because the more we push God out of it, the more that we are going to suffer. It doesn't mean people have to worship the way we worship. It doesn't mean that people have to go to the church that we go to, but Christians have to be in government leading and guiding the people. And until we can find that kind of system to get behind, Christians have to find those that are closest to them. And I talked about during the election time, my biggest issue, my number one voting issue is the life of the unborn. If somebody says to me, I am for abortion, I am for killing unborn children, I want to expand the time of which we can kill them all the way up to the time of birth. That person is a wicked infidel in my mind. The Bible also uses the word infidel, by the way. Don't think that's just a Muslim term. They are a wicked infidel. Worse than the worst kind of sinner because they are killing the innocent. So that is why I stood against Hillary Clinton. And I talked about my support for Trump on my own beliefs. And I said, that's fine if you don't want to vote for Trump. That is totally okay with this man right here. But guard your vote against a wicked person like Hillary. And some of you may say, well, Pastor, that makes me upset. You talk about it. It makes me upset that you don't see a problem with her pro-abortion stance. It makes me very upset that you don't see abortion as a number one issue. Because here's my thing for those who didn't like Trump, and we know he's our president-elect now. Here's my thing. You may say, oh, I didn't like his character and his conduct and all that. I didn't either. That's why in the Republican primaries, I voted for Cruz. So if you were truly against this man, you wouldn't have voted for a wicked infidel like Hillary. You would have been in the Republican primaries with the rest of us standing for the Constitution, standing for pro-life, pro-marriage, and you would have helped us put Cruz on the ticket. Are you understanding me? But if you were in the Democratic primaries, your problem started a long time ago, my friends. And that's okay. We still love you. You can come to this church. You can come to this church. That's fine. But listen, in our God in politics, we had every grace you could think of talk about their issues. We had my one of my favorite African-American pastors from the South, Thomas Gross, who was always sassy on Facebook. You can get into an argument there with him and why he's a Republican and what he did to leave uh, where his community was going in politics and all that, but he shared with us how black lives matter, but he's not involved in that movement. He shared about how he believes for social change, but he doesn't think the Democratic Party is the way. We had those voices here for you to discuss uh, that issue with. They took your questions. As a matter of fact, I think it was a three-hour live feed. Then we had a Latino uh, in our own midst here, uh, Ishmael, talk about immigration and why he's a constitutionalist, why he's a Republican, not because he believes in Republican ethics, how Republicans always act. You'll always find wicked people in every system, right? But he stands for the ideas of constitutionalism and freedom and so forth. And then we had a 
uh, Jared, who was a total liberal white kid, smoking pot, getting drunk, didn't care about nothing, talk about why he's in favor of life and against abortion and against the move uh, of the homosexual agenda. So he would have been your typical kind of like UIC student, you know, like smoking pot, going, I don't care, let them do what they want with their own body. So we literally had everybody you can think of. We had the baker and the candlestick maker. We had the Latino. We had the African American. We had everything possible for that. And why am I reviewing it today? I'm reviewing that today to let you know we believe that God is the foundation. And at least you may say in this church, well, I don't agree with the pastor. I have different immigration issues or I have different whatever social issues or however they agree. But at least you can say my pastor believes I'm supposed to make a difference and stand up for what I believe in. And that's why from the pulpit you hear it from me. Now, if as time goes on, this church happens to have a majority of people agree with me, that's fine. But those who disagree with me are always welcome to stay here. There is nothing that will prevent you on your membership role, because we don't even have membership, from being a member, okay? And there's nothing that will prevent you on your political beliefs to help you from being, uh, stop you from being a disciple. Uh, of course, if you believe abortion is okay, that will stop you, because that's a moral issue. But uh, those are the things that are important to us. But I won't be getting into that today, okay? Even though I, I introduced it a little bit. But here's what I want to talk about today, is how the church has to hold up truth to the world around it. That's why when I talk like this, people should not be uh, intimidated by a pastor that is saying what he believes. You should be able to go back home and study your Bible, you know, and look at these different things and go, man, is this true? Is this true? Is this is this stuff that we should get behind? And so uh, should we get behind standing against abortion? Should we get behind a standing for pro-marriage and, and then those types of things? Should we get behind our government when it does the right thing and stand against wickedness? Okay, you need to make those decisions for yourself. I am going to do that here as well. And I'll, like I said, I'll set the example. But beyond that, we need to know what truth is in this culture. Uh, when, when Jesus was on trial, uh, what was his name? Pilate, he said to Jesus, uh, Jesus said to Pilate, I'm here representing the truth. And then Pilate said back to Jesus, what is the truth? And so we're in a culture that doesn't have truth. And we need to establish it. And it happens through the church. Let me give you an introduction to this sermon series. Somebody say, bring it. Bring it. Because how you view the church, listen, how you view the church will determine how you view the kingdom of God. See, Jesus talked all about the kingdom of God. If you listen to Jesus' preaching, what is he always talking about? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. He tells parables about the kingdom of God. He says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He says, you have to be born again to enter the kingdom of God. What does the kingdom of God look like by the end of Jesus' ministry? It looks like the church. The church is the initiation of the kingdom of God upon the earth. It's the thing that Jesus is going to build, and the gates of hell will not prevail against and the church will remain after the world is gone and it's the church that will then rule the new world that he comes to establish when the kingdom of God comes upon earth as it is in heaven are you listening and those who die in the midst of this time period we call the age of grace or the dispensation of grace those who die will be up in heaven with the church waiting to come back down with Jesus as the bride of Christ to rule and reign so listen how you see what we do here will determine determine how you see the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God encompasses how you see heaven. It will determine how you see heaven coming to earth, what the rule and reign of Jesus Christ will be. All of this is going to be based upon what you think we're doing here right now. 
Now, it doesn't say how you view metro praise will determine how you view the kingdom of God. It's how you view the church. So you need to decide what kind of church you are called to. Or rather, I should say, you should follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and decide if you will obey. So that's why I, as a pastor, I don't have to come here every week and say, pick me, pick me as your pastor, pick me. Look at all the nice things I tell you all, all every week and how I never offend anybody and how I'm always so nicely dressed and slick hair. No, pick me. No, I don't have to come here and do that. Now, at the same time, I don't have to be rude and say, take it. No, but what I need to do is what God called me to do as a leader, govern with the elders that the Lord has placed here. And we'll talk a little bit about church government as this month goes on and how God governs the church. But we need to come here and do what God has told us to do, starting with me. Am I preaching what God has told me to do? Or am I preaching to you some soft message on New Year's Day about how you're going to make it? Because everybody loves to come to church and get those pep talks. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. It was tough in 2016, but you're going to make it in 2017. Slap your neighbor upside their head and tell them this is your year. This is your year. This is your year. This is your year. You know, and, that, and that's how we want it. Whether it comes into that form or hey or that way or just somebody talking, this is your year. God is going to bless you mightily. Smile and bless you. It's such a good day. And I'll tell you what, you're going to prosper and you're going to prosper all that you do. You know, it doesn't matter how you say it. Now, I, I appreciate those messages because we all need pep talks. We all need to be reminded of that, that God can do something great in our lives. And I feel like that's how we ended the year. So I, I feel as your pastor, I do well to give you a balanced diet. If you look to the Word of God, this is how you should judge what I do, is it says... Um, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, this is what the Word of God is, is here to do. So just ask yourself, as, as your pastor, as your primary preacher and teacher, do I do these things? All Scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful for what? Teaching. Do you get a good, healthy diet here of teaching? Amen. It is good for rebuking. Do you get a healthy diet here of rebukes? Amen. You get enough of those, don't you? How about correcting? How many of y'all catch some correcting around here? You're like, well, where's the pep talk in here? And then it says training in righteousness. Now he then summarizes again. He says, I give you this just charge in uh, for, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word, be in season, out of season. And he just summarizes this. These three things. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. So one-third of my talk today should be encouragement. What should one-third also be? It should also be what? One-third of it needs to be rebuke, and then another third needs to be what? Correction. So if you feel two-thirds of the time your toes are getting stepped on, you in the right church. Now, if you say, Pastor, I don't like it like that. I want the sweets all the time. I want dessert all the time. Well, then you need to go to another place, okay? And then what you will find there is you will find, uh, if you're really wanting to live for God, you will find a discomfort because after a while, you'll know they can't be telling me everything. You know, even though you may not agree with all my rebukes or corrections, you have to take that home with the Lord. But you'll know if you go to a place that's only feeding you encouragement, you will then at some point realize they're not telling me everything. There can't be everything in this Bible based around encouragement. Now, I thank God for encouragement, and we should always have encouragement. So today, we'll encourage you. But we need to remember that the kingdom of God is going to be seen in the church. So here's my encouragement. Let me give some encouragement to you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's going to encourage us. Keep your behind in church all year long. That's my encouragement to you. I haven't corrected you or rebuked you, have I? Because the next year, uh, the, the days haven't come where I've seen you miss. So there's nothing to correct or rebuke. Here's my encouragement. Come to church. There's my encouragement. You do that and you watch.
watch what God will do. Now, how many of you remember some of the message where I talked about church, where it talks about in society, statistically speaking, those who go to church have better sex lives, better mental lives. Some of y'all don't know that. You need to check that out. Better sex lives are in church. They ask the ladies who go to church consistently how many times they hit the big O, how many times they are pleased by their man in church. Seriously. And they have more big O's than any other women group around. Why? Because a man who comes to church will know how to please that woman. Because to please a woman in bed, it doesn't start in the bedroom. It starts in the kitchen. You get a man of God cooking and cleaning, taking care of his wife. By the time they get to the bed, it's on like Donkey Kong. That woman will be pleased. That's statistical. Now, you can ask people why they ask others that question. You can ask those who ask them those questions. But I've got the research. They ask nurses these questions. They surveyed nurses. And a lot of times they do these studies with nurses. You can ask nurses about it. They get involved in these studies. And they found out that these nurses had better sex lives, better mental lives, and their children did better in high school and college, and they were regular attenders. And the more they went, the more they were faithful, the better it was. And they did not see this kind of increase in their life and their, in their actual enjoyment of life among the clubs or other things that they were a part of. It was a specific thing that they noted that it was among churches. And that was the message I preached before. You can get that from me. Now, here's the deal. How you view church will determine how you view the kingdom of God. So what do you think you're doing here today? Are you here today just to please a man? Is this a burden to you? Now, I know sometimes when we think about uh, being a part of a church and committed, some of you, as our church has grown, we've gotten you from other churches. And so I want to apologize to you for being burned out and being taken advantage of and being heard and, and seeing hypocrisy and all of those things. But don't blame the big C church on that. Don't blame Jesus Christ and what he's doing on that. And don't blame us. I've never burned out. I've only burned up. I'll tell you what, I haven't even missed a Sunday ever to, to be on a vacation except this 40th birthday party I planned with my wife in Florida, and that's the first time I've ever missed. I don't even want to miss. You can't even keep me from it. Now, the times that I've missed to go on mission trips, that's another thing. I want to be in church on Sunday. I love preaching. I love witnessing. I love sharing my faith. I love doing discipleship. I have been doing this since I was 22 years old, and uh, other than a few times of me just eating a little more than I should, being a little just, you know, plump. Other than that, I've been in great shape. I'm hardly ever sick. My wife has only seen me take antibiotics twice in my entire, in our marriage. Am I right? Twice in, in 11 years of marriage. I'm healthy. My children are blessed. I'm educated. I'm, I'm living godly. And I come to church all the time. Amen. I don't know why all these pastors are backslidden, why they're all wore out on depression medication, why the other people, well, you know, need to take a break from church. People say I need to take a break from church. Well, stupid isn't stupid. Don't stop doing church wrong. That you need to take a break from it. What are you what are you doing? I can't see Jesus saying, I'm gonna stop doing this Jesus thing for a little bit and do something else. Now the Bible teaches us a day of rest. If your day of rest doesn't function well on Sunday because you consider it a day that you participate and volunteer, make a day of rest another day. You say, Well, I don't have the ability to do that. Get the ability to do that. Ask God to bless you. Ask God to bless your work. Go back and get an education. Live the kind of life that God said you can live because this is what He determined us to do. Work six days, rest one. And that settles it. I believe it. Amen. And so this for me is a joy. It's never been, never been a burden. And this was even before I was a pastor, before I was ever this guy holding the mic. When I was one of you guys sitting down there, I felt the same way. And the only problem that I had is that the churches didn't bring it like how I wanted. It was never like I was against church. It was, man, I just wanted real. And that's why I've done my best to keep church real. How many like it like this? Amen. I like it like this. Amen. The kingdom of God is seen in and through the
the church. So if we were to ask, where's the kingdom of God right now? You could, you could certainly point to yourself and say, kingdom of God's right here. And people who know your life should be able to see like, yeah, kingdom of God. I can see it around you. I can see it in your family. I can see it in your work ethic. I can see it in your generosity. I can see it in traffic. The kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy, it is in you. But then if you were to point to a bigger picture of the kingdom of God, where would it be? Would you point to the government? Would you point just to charities? No, the place that you would point to, you should say the church. The church is the kingdom of God on this earth. Here's the visible representation of it. The Bible says we should always pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's multi-nations up in heaven. There should be multi-nations in our church. There's worship towards God in heaven. There should be worship in our church. The kingdom of God is about the word of God. The word of God should be lifted up among us, loving each other as we want to be loved. These are the things you should see in church. And then since we're here in a world that's fallen and in many ways under the dominion of the devil because people don't know no better and we should be conquering those things through our love for them and through the power of Jesus Christ conquer evil with good can I get an amen? amen and that's why as you see all throughout history that the church has done more for this culture uh, for humanity than any other organization in the entire world show me where all the Muslim uh, mosques today have their orphanages show me the, the Muslim orphanage here, here in Chicago there's enough Muslims to have at least one right show me the Muslim hospitals there's enough to have at least one come on somebody I live in a neighborhood of all Hindus, show me at least one hospital. But look at all up and down the streets. St. Vider, this hospital, or you know, St. Mary's Hospital, this. The Roman Catholics have shown us the Christian value of that as long as of, of Wells Orphanages. And then you see the Baptist Hospital, you see the Lutheran Hospital, you see this kind of orphanage, this kind of drug rehab, all run by Christians. We have led the way. We have put the atheists to shame and every other world religion to shame. The kingdom of God is seen in and through the church. That's where it's seen. You want to see the kingdom of God, get around a good church. Yes. Get around a church that's doing what God said we should do. If every church would do, listen to me, I want you to be proud of what God did through this church. I can't wait to give you the end of the year report and all that we did, all the shekels that came in and out, all the lives that were changed. I want everybody to listen to me. If every church did just what this church did, this church did, we would have no need for social programs in this entire city. Y'all didn't even hear me. I'm not even talking about y'all doing more than what you did. I'm saying if everybody just did their part and gave 5 to 10% of their income to the city and to the programs that the people need, there would be no need of government help in this city. And that's what your church did. Your church reached out to the west side. Your church reached out to young people. Your church gave to hurting people. Now you may say, Pastor, you know, we can give more and do more and all of that. And yes, we will with the limit the number that we have here. But we're talking how many churches are in this city? At least 5,000, 10,000. How much money is flowing through these churches? So you're talking, let's say, a billion dollars flows through all the churches of Chicago. If just 5% of that would have come into the, the hands of the right pastors to give back like we did 5% of our budget back to the community, how much money is that? Well, 10% of a billion is 100 million. Hello, somebody. 5% of that is $50 million. And then we would have managed it better better and got done with $50 million with this government has wasted on all that stuff. Are you listening to me? 
This isn't just a joke to me. This is not a game to me. People who believe like this started hospitals, started orphanages, started Bible colleges. One of the great privileges that we have here in Chicago, and I give credit to it all the time, is the Moody Bible Institute that's been here for over 100 years because of a shoe salesman named D.L. Moody wanted to start helping the inner city kids of his time. Through that, they established that Bible college that has now been here. If you talk to most of the nonprofits in this city from a Christian background, most of them have come through the graduation process process of Moody. Come on, somebody. And we've been graduating ours for about 10 years, so check on us in 100 years, Moody. We're going to give you a run for your money. Amen. But the beauty of it is we're not in competition. But I look at our young people who work for these nonprofits in Chicago, and so many of them have graduated, been influenced by this city, uh, by Moody, and by the, the presence of Christians here. We need to raise up. The church needs to do this. But somehow, I don't know what happened other than the ego of people and the stupidity of men. We have started competing with each other in the wrong ways and said I mean if you're going to compete which we should in as pastors if you're going to compete at least compete over stuff that's biblical let's compete over who's got the most disciples let's compete over how many missionaries we're sending out let's compete over how many poor we fed but we're not competing over that we're competing over how many empty chairs we can fill we're child we're competing over nickels and noses as if as if uh, you know backstreet boys didn't already have us beat you know what I'm saying they already had us beat and then one direction fills up a stadium better than we do makes more money than us. Like boy bands beat us in nickels and noses. Hello. If you're competing for nickels and noses and Justin Bieber is better than you at that, you in the wrong competition as a church. Are you listening? I'm not here competing with nickels and noses. How many people I can get? How many album sales? How much money we can raise? We're here to establish the kingdom of God. And that's going to come through people loving God, loving people, making disciples that make disciples. The church, listen to this, is what Jesus is building. Jesus is building this church. He's building this one and all the other good ones of the city. How many know there's other good churches in this city? Amen. We're going to talk about that. The church is what Jesus is building to bring forth the kingdom of God upon the earth. God wants to build your life so you can bring forth good things upon this earth. So how are you going to get those good things? Well, you can go to the Bible by yourself, but the Bible doesn't say go to the Bible by yourself. The Bible says that you need to be in a church where there's elders and deacons who have been studying that Bible before you so that you can help learn that Bible. Now, are you responsible as the priest before your own God, as, as the Bible says, the priesthood of the believers, the Reformation taught us this, are you responsible between you and yourself before God? Yes, you don't need a priest, a mediator, a middleman, but the church is here to assist you learning because not one person can know everything. Jesus didn't say to Peter, hey, I'm going to build the church by you becoming a monk, moving into a cave, and that's how you'll change the world. No, the idea was he was going to use Peter to be the first among many that would be disciples that make disciples, passing all the traditions that they've been given. That's why Matthew 28, 19-20 is so popular to us here, is because he said to them, go into all the world, into all the nations, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy, Holy Ghost. Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't See, this is the real party. Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't stop. Okay, so we're going to do that. Then the Bible says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So what is Jesus building upon the earth? He's building the church to bring forth the kingdom of God. When you believe, what somebody say, when I believe. When you believe the church is the manifestation of God's kingdom upon the earth and seek to build it. You will reap the rewards of a blessed life now and in the age to come. So, hey, can I give you guys a secret? 
I don't need to talk about your jobs right now to get you blessed on your jobs. I need to talk about the kingdom. Because if you see first the kingdom, you'll be blessed on your job. I don't need to talk right now about your family and how to be better mothers and fathers, though that is awesome. I don't need to teach you that first, because if I teach you the kingdom first, you'll be a great mother father. You see, children, I don't need to talk to you today about heaven and bribe you with streets of gold. If I talk to you about the kingdom of God, young people, you will have a blessed life. This is God's principle. Now, I just, you know, I'm not an artist, but I was really having fun with this program when I made this picture. And I think this really shows what's happening. Imagine the background of this picture, the mountains and that beautiful sky being the kingdom of God, heaven coming to earth. Well, where is it seen today? Where is that intersection of heaven and earth? It is found in the church of Jesus Christ where two or three are gathered together in his name. The kingdom of God is among us because the king is among us. Jesus is here. Now, if you come to church and all you see is the brick, all you see is the preacher, all you see is the songs or get offended by people sitting next to you, then you're missing what the church is. This is not the design of Jesus. It's for this to become a social club or for you to be easily offended or for you to take back your tithe if you don't like what's going on or stop attending when you feel tired. Because if you see the church as where God's kingdom is, this place will be a place of miracles. This will be a place of healing. This will be a place of family. This will be a place where every single one of us is given the truth so that we can build a good culture and a good society out here. Amen. The mayor should be sitting right here. Yes. He should be sitting right here. Where else? Come on, guys. Let's be honest right now. Let's just dream for a few moments. Where else would you want the mayor to sit? He needs to sit right here. He needs to sit right here under the preaching of the godly and hear the worship and then be convicted with the truth. Now, at some point, him and I may disagree. We may have different politics, but he needs to hear. He needs to hear that abortion is wicked. He needs to hear that wanting to change a, ba a bathroom to fit uh, men who think they're women or pretending to be, you know. Um, he needs to hear that that's wicked. He needs to understand there's only one answer for the violence. One answer. Jesus is the answer for the world today. You see, above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. God love Andre Crotch. He'll tell him something right now. But the mayor needs to sit here. Now ask yourself this question. It, this church is good enough for you to sit here, right? Shouldn't it be good enough for your mayor to sit here? Yes. Shouldn't it be good enough for the aldermen to sit here? Because we know the kingdom of God is here, don't we? It's not about me. Did I bring the kingdom of God here in, in my potpourri, in my dress as Pope, in a funny hat and funny scents, bells and smells? Did I bring the, is that how the kingdom of God came here today? Did the kingdom of God come here today through your pompous dress, your, your funny hats, your, your good smelling perfume or whatever else church people have been known to do? Is, is that what brought the kingdom of God here today? When Jesus walked the earth, was the kingdom of God brought by his pompous dress and the, the bells and smells and the candle being lit or, or the cathedrals? Is that how Jesus brought the kingdom of God? Now, Jesus brought the kingdom of God because he was the kingdom of God among us. And then he taught it to the people. And he said, the kingdom of God's here. And it's going to start within you first. That's why you've got to get born again. You've got to be given a new life. And then the kingdom of God starting in here will come out here and change the world. And right now people may say, well, that's kind of cute. I think that's good starts here. But I'm not really dedicated to that yet. Listen to me. One day he will come here and put his foot on your neck and make you submit to it. 
See, some of you all don't understand that he will crush, the Bible says, he will crush the enemies that are here when the kingdom comes as one does one, uh, grapes in a wine press. You see how wine is made? This is how he will crush his enemies. He will put his head right on Bill Gates and crush him. The Bible says the blood. This is not to be a glorifying in blood, but it's to show you, you don't have a choice, sir. You don't have a choice, man. The kingdom of God is coming, whether you like it or not. Choo-choo. You can stand in front of that train and say, I don't like you, train. I don't like the way you come in, but that train is sure coming. The kingdom of God is coming, and he crushes his enemies. And on that day, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, and I'm going to be like, oh yeah, come on Jesus. You say, Pastor, that sounds crazy. No, sometime, at some time, the judgment has to come. And I say, dear Lord, come now, because this world is so wicked. We are killing our children. Have you even seen the charts that are out? All of our wars, all of the violence doesn't even compare to how much we've killed just our own children let alone the violence and all of these other things. This is what God wants to do. He wants to bring his kingdom here. Amen. Now ask yourself this question as well. If it's not the church, then what's going to do it? You all go to work. Everybody goes to work tomorrow. Some of you may work at the biggest companies. You know, one of my friends in uh, Silicon Valley, he works for an upstart of Google. It's worth over a billion dollars. They're all the, the hot rave right now because they reached a billion, I think, in their first year. It's one of those huge Silicon companies. Some of you might work downtown in high fashion. You may work, uh, you know, for our, our other agencies, police, you know, t uh, the educational system. Some of you, I know, work for aldermen. Okay, all of us go to, to our works tomorrow, and most of us represent a small way the world around us. Let me ask you something. Is any of those things going to do what God promises? Are, is, is our education going to change this world? Is our police department, our military going to change this world in that way? I mean, God bless everyone that serves our country, but I'm saying, is that going to change the heart of wicked men? No. Is that going to be, no, this is it. Is this going to be build families? Well, what will build families? Well, 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 Apple computers, more jobs, build our families? Listen to me, my friends. When we will be the most happiest with the world here, it's when we're most happiest with the kingdom up there and coming here. You know, when we find our satisfaction in the kingdom to come, we can do this down here well. That's why we started colleges. That's why we started all that we did as Christians. That's why, by the way, do you, do you ever think about why the scientific revolution didn't start in India? Their civilizations have been around for a long time. Do you ever wonder why the scientific revolution didn't start in the Muslim empire and all of these things? Or the Eastern empire, the Asian empire? Why did the scientific revolution happen in Europe at a certain particular time? And then it seemed like it exploded. We have the scientific method with Bacon and then Kepler, and then we had Newton, and then physics, and then it just kept, it kept pounding on it, on it, uh, compounding on itself, coming down fast and hard, like, and before you knew it, we had seen the world in a whole different way. It was because we broke away from the wicked Roman Catholic Church, we freed our minds to follow the Bible, and we reformed all the sciences to understand that the world could be understood because it was a creation of a creator. And then now today, what after what, 50, 60 years, these hot shots come around with all of the foundation of the entire scientific world want to say we can disprove God through this. This is nonsense. I encourage you to listen to a debate about the scientific method and how it proves the existence by God by one of my uh, friends and that we support as a church, by the way, David Wood, and how he just tore it apart at Kennesaw University in Kentucky, destroyed this atheist, destroyed it because the atheist has no ground to stand on. It's the church that's the pillar and the foundation of truth. It always has been. It always will. We've proven it over and over again. Let's say, for example, we look at American history and somebody says, well, I don't agree with everything. 
everything in American history. I don't agree with it either. But let me ask you something. Would you rather be an African right now living in Ethiopia or an African living right now in America? Hello, somebody. Would you rather be a Latino living in the Aztec Empire or a Latino living here? Would I rather be living in the Roman Catholic Empire or would I be living here? We developed the greatest nation in the world because men took these principles seriously. Amen. They took these principles seriously. Are you all listening to me? And so, yes, we've made mistakes. Yes, Native Americans have been mistreated. And African Americans, all those who did it wrongly and falsely will go to hell. But in the midst of that, there was greatness, and the greatness is here still remaining. And we will rise and fall based on that foundation. Can I get an amen? amen. I got to preach it to you from Thomas Jefferson. Can I show you what Thomas Jefferson said? I just got to say it's because I'm getting back into that God and politics thing. Because I feel like so often I talk to the 21st century person and they look at me, not say you are doing this, but the people look at me dumbfounded as if uh, the Christians who say this thing are just making stuff up as we go. We have proved it in every possible way. We have proved it in charity. The church is the best. We have proved it in government. The church is the best. And by the way, it was the church that separated itself from the government. It was our decision, not the government's decision. That's a whole nother discussion of where church and state even came from. I have the letter right here on this message. But let me just say this right here. How many want to hear from Thomas Jefferson? This is right here on the Jefferson Memorial, okay? Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed a conviction that these liberties are the gift of God? Can we as a nation be secure with our freedom if we think we give ourselves freedom and get to change whatever we want as we go along? So we can change marriage whenever we want. We can define life whenever we want. We can change the, what makes a family, how we do education. We can rewrite history books. We can do whatever we want. How long do you think that's going to last until we get destroyed? He says, indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. That's why we have the problems we do. So what do we go back to? We go back to God, don't we? We want our schools to go back to God. We want our nation to go back to God. Now, once again, we don't have to force them to go to our church. Even at this time, you could be Muslim, Hindu, you could do whatever you wanted. But here's what the majority of men said. We're going to be Christian. We're going to do it this way. It's up to you whether or not you want to do it with us, but this is our gift to you. And that is why the first ones who graduated African-Americans from the college were Bible colleges before the Civil War. Read and understand your black history, my friends. That is why those in the South who resisted, who resisted, were confronted by the preachers, the preachers traveling through there, the Wesleyan preachers who had integrated services went through there and suffered along with the abolitionists because we knew that we had to change their false religion. They had a cult of slavery built into their religion, and it was the godly preachers who went through there and kept preaching against that until there was nothing left but to go to war with them. And listen to me, 300,000 white people, and I know MTV wanted to give resolutions for white men. I'm a white man who pastors a multi-congregational, multi-ethnic congregational. But listen to me, before you start shoo-shooing the white man, listen to me, it was white people, 300,000 who died for the freedom of African Americans in this country. We ought to be grateful, remember where we come from. And if somebody said, well, I didn't ask him to die for me, I didn't ask to come here, well, you're welcome to go back to the Congo then. They're in revolution right now. You are welcome to go back to Dofar. They are in revolution right now. You are welcome to go back to Rwanda. Eight million people died at the hands of genocidal maniacs in Rwanda. Are you listening to me? 
And like, I'll go back into this whole thing about the, 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 the God of politics because I feel it, okay? I feel it. Listen, like the border didn't cross me, I crossed the border. Go down to Texas right now. Go down to Texas right now and ask the Latinos right there, right now. Hey, okay, there's been some wars here. There's always been war. How do you think Mexico got its land from Guatemala and the surrounding nations? There's always been war and conquest. But let me ask you this. Uh, Mexican heritage, uh, Mexican descendants here in Texas. Let me ask you a question. Do you want the land to go back to Mexico or do you want it to stay American? And they'll tell you, we want it to stay American. Don't send it back to Mexico because it's corrupt and it will get messed up in just a few years. So are you listening to me? And I'll, I'll, since I'm stepping on everybody's toes, let me go to the Israeli issue right now. The land belongs to Israel. God said the land belongs to Israel. They kicked the butt to have the land belong to them. And I don't care what any UN advisor says, that belongs to Israel. Are you listening to me? And Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. It belongs to them. If you feel sorry for Palestinians, all you have to do is just show them the map of the Muslim nations around them and say, you are more than welcome to go to Jordan, to Kuwait. Hey, why don't you move to Abu Dhabi? Why don't you move to Dubai, one of the richest places in the world where they're wasting wealth? Hello, go there. You know why? They want to make us feel sorry for these people. And I do. I feel compassion for Palestinians. We even wave their flag to pray with them. We love them. But listen to me, my friends. They are being pawned and used by the Muslims who want to cause a conflict. They want the third world world to pop off in the Middle East and they keep trying to drag us into it. And you, my friend, have to be smarter than NBC News. You have to wake up and understand God says you owe it to these people to pray for their peace. They have been persecuted beyond any people group. And I feel for the African American, but as my Jewish brother said, the African Americans enslaved 400 years and it's terrible. But you have to understand, for almost 6,000 years they have tried to kill the entire race of Jewish people over and over and over again. Hitler was just the biggest of our day, but they tried it with Assyria. They tried it with Babylon. They tried it with Romans. They sacked and sieged Rome, sacked and sieged Jerusalem at least two different times to try to destroy all of them. Are you listening to me? As the peace of Jerusalem goes, so our peace goes. So let me just help you understand that today. You need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You need to understand that America is tied to them. We break covenant with them. We will be under the curse of God. We will be nothing but a footnote in history because God committed, he committed in his word, whoever gets their back, I got their back. And what if I told you this, that when everything is said and done, it will be two things that kept us safe as a nation. It was our commitment to the local church and our commitment to Israel. What if I told you that? I believe that's the truth. Can I get an amen? amen. You can say, oh me, oh my, but it's still coming. Amen. Now, I want everybody to look at this as I conclude my introduction for, for today's message. Look, I'm just here at the introduction. I had all these scriptures, and then, then here's where the definition's coming. I got 10 minutes. Here we go. I just feel it today. Look at me. Now in Ephesians, Paul makes this connection between the kingdom of God coming upon the earth with Jesus reigning as king forever. Where is Jesus going to reign from? Chicago, New York City, the Vatican. Where is he going to reign from? The Bible says he's going to reign from Jerusalem. That's why it's connected. Jesus will reign as king forever and the visible church will be upon the earth. Do you know that upon this earth, when Jesus Christ comes, we will be like superheroes to the people? For a thousand years, we will rule and reign with them. You may think that this is crazy, but I say to you that everything you've ever seen in myth is actually pointing back to the reality of this. This means when Jesus Christ comes to rule and reign, the church 
will be glorified in a state like unto Christ's divinity with power to rule and reign as his kingdom of priests upon the earth. We will be able to stop the weather. We will be able to travel as he did in the resurrected body from one place to the other. We will be able to walk through doors. We will be able to bring judge judgment like Judge Dredd. We will be the judge and juror and judgment executioner all at one point. Read your Bible on what it looks like when the sons and daughters of God are revealed and rule and reign with Christ upon the earth. He will do that to show the world it was mine all along. So instead of just casting the world to hell and then just doing away with it, the Bible says judgment comes. The world is not totally destroyed at that point. He allows at least a billion people to survive. The church is there ruling and reigning with Christ for a thousand years. The population will grow to the point where if someone dies at a hundred, the Bible says they're just a baby. These are all the prophecies of Isaiah, by the way, that the Jewish people didn't, uh, didn't see connected to Jesus because they thought Jesus was going to do it immediately. But this was to come after the crucifixion. Are you guys listening? He conquered first our heart, then he conquers the world. But for a thousand years, we rule and reign with Christ. Who does that? Does Bill Gates rule and reign a thousand years with Christ? No. Does the police department, does the military, does the engineers, who rules and reigns with Christ? What do we call those people? The church. The church. The church rules and reigns with Christ. That's who rules and reigns. So if I'm going to be like my friend, he's a sergeant that now has, uh, he's now in Atlanta, a police officer. He's been both serving our country as the military, now as the police. If he wants to rule and reign with Christ, he has to be a part of the church. Otherwise, I'll be taking his badge from him saying, sir, you don't get this no more. Seriously. Now imagine this. Come on, use your imagination. How many believe the Bible? How many believe then that if we're here, when, well, well, it's going to happen no matter what, but just imagine if we're alive when it happens, Ishmael becomes a governor. Let's say they make him the governor of Beijing. What's going to happen in Beijing? Freedom of religion. He's going to be able to judge those who are corrupt. The mafia be done away with in moments. How many would love to move to Beijing if he's the governor? Amen. Amen. Who's going to be the governor of New York? Who's going to be the Who's going to be the one that God puts over these nations? He's going to put his people, and he'll be reigning right from Jerusalem. This is the promise to come. Everything because I'm watching the superhero movies with my kids right now, and how they everything you've ever seen in 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 one sense is a small representation of what is to come. C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, you know, Lord of the Rings and uh, the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, had great discussions about this about why man in his heart creates men. And all that they would always go back to is that this is telling a story that we have forgotten. We stopped telling it in the way of God, and now we tell it in our own ways. So you guys know it entertains you, right? Like you see Thor, he comes down, he beats up people. This entertains you. Batman, he has superpowers. It entertains you. There's something about this that entertains you. And it's the same thing with women, by the way, and watching Snow White. I don't care how old you are as a woman. My wife still likes Snow White. There's something magical. There's something powerful. This true love. When you put it together in the bride of Christ in the body of Christ, in the church of Christ. It's all there. Think about at the end of every, at the end of every one of these cartoons, what's always happening? The king has the castle, the birds are talking and singing, all of nature comes alive. What do you think it looks like in the end times, you know, upon the earth? And, and, and it's the same thing. The kicking butt, the, the everybody's singing and getting along. It's all there, baby. I'm sorry to go there with you, but I had to go Lord of the Rings and cartoons with you. <laughs> well, let's go to what the Bible says. How many want to hear what the Bible says? Amen. Now, that's my way of trying to describe it to you as a pastor, but how do you see it? This is, this is helping me. Let's see if it helps you. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I pray that your eyes are enlightened in order that you may know to hope to which he has called us the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. Come on, you get something here? 
See, I'm seeing, I'm seeing superheroes. I'm seeing cartoons. I'm seeing the only thing that I understand in this world that looks so beautiful beyond what I can imagine. And the Bible says, I'm praying that you get a picture of this so that you understand that the same power that raised Christ from the dead, seated him at the right home in heavenly realms, far above, rule and power, dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also the one to come. And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the what? For the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You see, the church is what God is filling right now. God is not filling the Chicago Cubs. God is not filling the Chicago Bulls or the Bears. God is not filling up uh, whatever's going on there in Fort Knox or wherever we keep all of our money and gold. He is not filling that. What he is filling is first his church and then everything through it. We're in charge. Yes. The church is in charge. It's about time we stop We stop acting like we need to go to the aldermen's and ask them for favors. We need to start going to the aldermen's and commanding them what to do in Jesus' name. Yes. Now you may say, Pastor, do you want us to be disrespectful? Not at all. But when I go out and preach the gospel door to door or on the street corners, what I am doing is meeting strangers. And if the alderman comes there or comes into this church, he will hear about the kingdom greater than his kingdom. And you know, it's nothing worse than somebody who gets a little bit of power that thinks they have all the power, right? Like one of your middle managers at the job, all they have to do is just get a little bit of power, then they're boss and everybody. There's nobody worse than that, right? And so in God's mind, we're all like that. Even the presidents are like that. It's like you've got just a little bit of power and you've already thought you got it all, right? And so what does the kingdom of God remind everybody? You don't have anything. I remember one guy uh, was saying, you know, his, uh, his pastor's church was growing and it was thriving and it was starting to get some of the attention. You know, one day we'll be like that. Get some maybe movers and shakers coming to the church. And uh, everybody noticed that one of the most wealthiest men was coming to that church. So it would almost be like you, you see in like, uh, you know, the, the man who owns Mariano's or one of these commercials, maybe like 1-800-EMPIRE. Like you see that dude sitting here, you know, like wouldn't that be cool? Like you start seeing some of these guys from commercials sitting here. Now, this guy, one of these guys came up to the pastor said, you know, my family and I, we've been coming to your church and we've been checking you out for a while and we just want to let you know, we, we've decided that we're going to make this our, our church. And in, that, in his mind, he was thinking that, you know, that's going to get the applause. Woo! You know, here he is, 1-800-EMPIRE, made it our church, you chose us. But the pastor, my friend said, without a, without a moment, just in between, he looked right back at him and said, we're still deciding if we're choosing you. We're still deciding if you get to be a part of what we're doing. You see, because we're the greater. Yes. We're the greater. The church is the greater. Yes. So it's not like, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's time for the meritorial elections again. Uh, you know, what churches should we go to? What church should we go? Well, maybe we'll stop by Metro Praise. Maybe we'll get some of those constituents over there. You know, and he calls me up and he might think that I'll be privileged to have him come. And I'll say, no, I haven't decided to let you in. Here's how you can come here. You can sit right there with everybody else and let me preach at you for an hour. Then we'll stretch our hands and pray for you. Is that what you want? I remember one of my friends called me up and said, Joel Osteen's coming to town. He's best friends with Joel Osteen. Best friends. They're all together all the time. You see Facebook posts of them together all the time. He's one of my friends' dad. He calls me up and he says, man, Joe, uh, Joel Osteen's coming in. I'd like you to come and meet with them. I said, well, man, that would be great. Can I talk to him about some of the concerns I have about his teachings? I just, I don't hear him talk enough about heaven and hell. I don't hear him mention sin anymore. Can I, can I just address some of that? He paused, laughed awkwardly, and he goes, no. <laughs> no. He said, 
but you could sit at a table with the rest of the pastors there. And I said, listen, I have no need to take a picture with Joe Losey and post it on my church website and invite you to come to my church. I have my friends doing this. They got a picture with them and Joel together. Joel's like, you want to go to Metro Praise. Metro Praise is a good church. I'll see you there. And because you know what? You buy a thousand of his books and he'll do that, that photo op with you. Now listen, those of you who like him, that's okay. But here's my thing. I'm not here to be bought and sold like that. Are you listening? Come on. What are you going to do here? I'm here to build the kingdom of God. Yes. So I'm already serving the king. Yes. A step down from that is, is, is not what I want to do. Take one step from that, and that's hell in my opinion. And the Bible says a nation that forgets God will be turned to hell. He's going to fill up everything starting with the church. Look at Ephesians 3.10. By the way, this may be next month's sermon series is the book of Ephesians in him. His intent was that now through the church, so that now through the church, everybody say right now. Right now. Right now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know why so many people get mad with me as a preacher? It's not because they don't like the music or that I can't make them laugh or entertain them. They get mad with me when I bring up heavenly wisdom that makes demons mad. If you get mad about what makes a demon mad, you are in trouble, my friend. That's why stupid is as stupid does. Get the wisdom of God. Get the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God will transform governments. Now, am I praying for Donald Trump to get saved? Yes, because I believe he's as lost as a goose in a hailstorm. He'll bust hell wide open. Amen. Are you listening? But that man has at least some understanding that he's got to stop some bad stuff, okay? So I'm finding the lesser of evil. But here's the thing. I'm believing for 20 more to raise up and take his place in the elections to come. Like I said before, it's not for me to support these demonic lies of Hillary Clinton. I'm going to support the cruises until the next one comes up, until the next one comes up, until we keep sending men and women of God into these offices and we change the land. Why don't you run for alderman and we'll vote for you. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the what? Church. To him be the glory in the what? Church. In the good old U.S. of A? To him be the glory upon your job tomorrow? To him be the glory in the Chicago Cubs. How many think the Chicago Cubs did something awesome by winning the World Series in 2016? Yeah, but how many know that doesn't compare to the glory of God? Amen. And in Christ Jesus throughout how many generations? Oh, Baez, Baez, if he doesn't repent, will be a janitor in this church. Are you listening to me? If he doesn't repent, I want you to think about it because you've got to get offended by some of this. Your greatest heroes, if they survive the judgment of God, will be our janitors. Do you understand that? I will have Bill Gates working on the Wi-Fi of my house. Are you listening to me? Bill, fix the Wi-Fi. It's not working again. Listen, are you guys, do you guys think that the heaven we're talking about is just make-believe? There's a real heaven, there's a real hell, and there's a real kingdom to come. There's yes. a real kingdom to come. There's a real king ruling, and he's choosing people to do it. Yes. And the people he's ruling with are the church. And you don't, you don't like that. You won't like this either. Out of New Jerusalem and how it's built out of the precious stone, uh, uh, the gems and all of these things, the stones and all this. You know what names are there? The first 12. Mm. The first 12 disciples, minus Judas, probably replaced with Paul will be the foundation of that forever. You will be honoring those men every time you come into that city. 
and we've researched about how high the city is. The city is 144 miles wide. It's a, it's a big box, wide, and, and it's as high as it is wide. It will reach off into space. And right now, they're talking about they could build things from Earth to space. Y'all don't even know the Bible. Come on, somebody. The Bible already talked about all of these things. We will be ruling and reigning with Christ. But guess what he's doing right now? He's bringing glory to the church. Guess what he's doing right now through the church? He's bringing wisdom. You guess what he's doing right now through the church? He's bringing the foundation and the pillar of truth. Does that change your life? It should. Vinny, help me close it out, please. Thank you, Isha. I got your back today. Yeah. I owe you a dinner. He's so excited. He actually loves the church. Isn't that something? The church is the born-again disciples of Christ around the world that love and obey God. The church can be thought of universally and locally. The universal is the Catholic Church. Do not let Roman Catholics steal that name from us. Whenever you read the ancient church creeds and you hear the word Catholic, it does not mean Roman Catholic. Roman Catholic is a separate belief system. The Christian definition of Catholic is universal. Look it up. The universal or Catholic Church, the true Catholic Church, is what you are a part of today. It's not from Rome. It's from Jerusalem. It's in every part of the world. And the local church is what you are a part of right now where individuals disciples are individual disciples are connected to godly leadership it's see it's that place where god has put you it's where the lord has assigned you to be look at hebrews chapter 13 verse 10 i didn't make this up hebrews chapter 13 rather what's that what's that chapter a uh, verse 17 look at hebrews chapter 3 verse 17 it says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their what? Authority. To their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this, that their work will be of joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So the leaders in this church are supposed to be the servants of all. You may have a higher position in the kingdom of God when he comes to rule and reign. If I overlord you, but you be humble. Do you understand? I'm not going to get a higher position than anybody. Everybody will be judged according to the will of God for their life. If I was supposed to lead and there was these qualifications that I was supposed to do by, I will be rewarded and judged by those things. If you were supposed to serve and help out with the children and the nursery and all those things, you will be rewarded and, and, take, and rewards taken away based on what you did. Does everybody get that? Now, here's the thing about the church and what you are part of right now. If we are really growing to 100,000 and this is our vision, then what are the hundred so of you here right now? You're all the future leaders. You're all the future leaders. I've already figured it out. Around 10% of our church is elders and deacons. That means 10% of 100,000 is 10,000 elders and deacons. You're just a few of them. Hello, somebody. We'll fill up a stadium just to have our leadership meetings. Wouldn't that be awesome? Now, you may say, Pastor, that's just a pipe dream. But what are you dreaming about? Winning the lottery, right? Getting a new car, a new house. Why not dream about the kingdom of God? I have dreams for my family too. Do you have dreams for your kids? Now, can they be greater than the kingdom of God? See, once again, if we have a problem with the kingdom of God, we have a problem with the church, we have a problem with what God is doing upon the earth. The church is also known as God's household. The church is known as Christ's bride and the body of Christ. Could you think of three other things that you would value more in your own life? Your house your bride, and your body. How else clear could he have made it? What we do here, right here, this is God's house. This is God's bride. This is God's body. You say, I love Jesus, but I hate this. He's got a problem with you. 
If you say this church is not for you, this is what I say to everybody sassy that says, well, Metro Praise is not for me. Well, then I say, well, you go show me what it's like to be the best member at somebody else's church then. Because don't you go boot, scoot, boogie your way to Chicago Tab to be somebody hiding in their crowd. Don't you go boot, scoot, boogie your way to New Life Covenant so you can go get a brochure put in your hand every week. If this is not your church, then you go to one of them churches and you be the best at over there. But stop this lukewarm excuses about not being who God called you to be. The pillar of the truth. Pillar of the truth. I mean, come on. Could you have been more serious about something, Paul, as God inspires you to write? You see these pillars right here? You think we should take them down? <laughs> Somebody go get a screwdriver and a wrench and let's see what happens. How many would stay here? You saw what we did just a few minutes ago. All of our children were here. How many of you would want us to get Marcel up there and start cranking a wrench and start moving these pillars down with our children sitting in here? What do you think our culture is doing right now with the church? Trying to remove it from our, from our schools. Trying to remove you from your job. The CEO of, uh, of uh, what was that, Firefox, one of those, you know, big Google, I mean, a big search uh, web browsers, said that he was against same-sex marriage. They fired him so fast. These scientists right now, they say they're against evolution. They fire them so fast. Watch the documentary, Expel, how fast they kick these guys out of education. They kick them around. It is literally, my friend, like the beginnings of a fascist society. Get all the ones who disagree with us out of power. Get them all out of power. Now, you know, you know what they're doing? They're messing with our military. They're telling these military men that they've got to, uh, they've got to agree with people changing their gender. They've got to do all these things. And these military men who have served for years are going, that is against my religion. But yet they don't care. Get them out. Get them out. Get them out. Get them out. Get them out of the military. Get them out of the schools. There was a woman fired because she prayed in her school after somebody asked her to pray. Dear God, have mercy. We used to pray in public schools before each day. They want to get you out of your school. They want to get you out of the government. They want to get you out. They want to push you out of the closet that they came out of. See, they came out and they want to push you in. But the Bible says you are here as a pillar of truth. You know what my hope for China is? It's 100 million born-again Chinese Christians right now. There's 100 million of them that God is having mercy on that nation as they are holding it up right now. Right now, Russia is being influenced as they've opened up that door just a little bit, Christian. My friends, if it doesn't happen and Christians don't win over these nations, those are the very ones we'll be at war with. Are you listening to me? They say some ISIS leaders right now are becoming Christians. I talked to a missionary in Egypt that was in my seminary classes. He's from Egypt. And I said, what's going on? He says, they're converting right now. Why are the Muslims converting? I asked him. He said, because they are seeing how the Muslims come in. They don't come. See, you and I think we are, we are duped by our president who's a coward, who's afraid to call it Islamic terrorism. See, but they, don't, they, they know the truth. These men, they come in. They don't come in just shooting off their guns. They go right to the mosque. They will debate or slaughter the one in charge, and then they will preach their doctrine and shut down everybody's lives. The Nazis were not idiots. They were experts at rhetoric. They defended their belief system. And let me just tell you, these Muslim terrorists are experts at defending Sharia law, and they convinced the people they're around. There is no other Islam except this Islam, the Caliphate. 
And the truth is, it is the real Islam. And what happens is, people's eyes are opened. You can see their testimonies on Facebook from the Middle East right now. And they're saying, dear God, I never read that. I never saw that in the Hadith. I never saw that in the Quran. Because many of them are just like most Roman Catholics today. They're nominal Muslims. They don't know their religion. But these men come in, kill their imams, or debate with them, convert them. And then they teach their doctrine. They spread it. The one that's in charge, Baghdadi, whatever his name is, he's, he's a scholar in his religion. And they convince them of this. But the truth is, is that it's a lie from the pit of hell. And Jesus starts to look shining brighter and brighter. And these Christians right now, listen to me. That's why I always remember this. These Christians, as you're sitting here wanting to go home because I've gone 10 minutes over, these Christians are dying right now as they're converting instantly. And their families are dying instantly with them. They're literally standing before fiery God, the squad, beheading, being set on fire because they have converted the same day, the same week these terrorists come to town. And I've been reading the church fathers. You know what the church fathers said? You know, one of their main arguments was, is we believe it so much we're willing to die for it. And my friends, we have lost the will to want to hold up truth in our culture. They just get upset with us on our job. We just back down. Yes, master. Yes, man. They tell us what we don't like. They, they threaten us. We just, we just back down and we take it when we need to stand up for a spiritual revolution. A devil dog dares somebody to start standing up for truth in this society. Then the Bible says it's the foundation of truth. It is the pillar of truth, and it is the foundation of truth. Why are our marriages falling apart right now? It's because they're not here getting the truth. Where else are they going to get it? Where do people get their truth from right now? You know why I always talk about Oprah Winfrey? It's because that's where people are going. They're going to Dr. Phil. How many of your friends talk just like Dr. Phil and Oprah now? Mm. Well, it's okay. It's okay if I cheated on my wife. It's okay. Nobody's perfect. Oh, we can start over again. It's okay. You watch their families fall apart. Why? Because they have no foundation. You say right now that I'm over-exaggerating. Look at young people right now. Look at young people. Look at what they're doing sexually. Look at what they're doing in their lives. They are losing the foundation of everything we once thought was valuable. Are you listening to me? You teach people that they came from an animal, they're going to live like animals. Is that not the truth? If you teach them they're an animal, if I tell you every day you are just an animal, is it going to matter then if you have same-sex attractions? No, because animals do it. If I tell you every day you're an animal and then somebody over here steps on your shoes, what's the problem with you busting them in the mouth then, right? You're just an animal. I was sitting the other day in Ohio Park talking to gangbangers, and you know what? It's always the same places, but different faces. The block is still hot, but everybody I knew the last 10 years are either dead and in jail. Now I'm looking at little shorties here, 16, 17 years old, and I'm like, I don't know who you are, but I know the big brother, the cousin who taught you this mess. But listen, I said to them simply, I said, you need to get off this block and come to church. And they looked at me like, you know, that stone cold face, like you just know if something was to go wrong, they were going to shoot that day. These are the ones that are going to die I'm standing right there with them are you listening to me and I told him this I said there's a kingdom to come that's better than this one you see our young people are dying around us because they believe in something that's so short so temporary the pleasures are temporary the money is temporary we send them to our colleges you know what our colleges have have you been to a college campus lately my friends work at the college campus of U of I the biggest in Illinois you know what these have become cesspools of immorality cesspools of depression they're depressed they're 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 STDs they're losing their purpose in life are you listening and we think the college is going to save them God have mercy I wish I had time to preach the rest of this I just wish I had time. Let me just say this in closing for the third time. 
There's a lot of us who have put our hope in other things and it's going to let us down. How many of you have been let down by this world? How many of you have been let down by family? Come on, let's keep it real. I talk to people today that choose family over church. You haven't been let down by family then. You haven't buried enough of them yet. Hello. People who choose their party over this, you haven't woken up enough mornings hung over yet. Are you listening to me? You haven't had to go to the clinic yet because you woke up with something down there that wasn't right. Hello. But how many of you have woken up enough times sick to know drunkenness isn't for you? How many have woken up enough time depressed to know this world is not enough for you? You look out there, you're depressed. You look inside, you're de-stressed. But you look to Jesus, you're at rest. How many know that's true today? How many know that's true? I'm telling you, if you think it's still money, if you think it's still money, you don't have enough money yet. You're a fool. You didn't sit down. You didn't sit down. And what was his name? Uh, Mork and Mindy, what was that guy's name? Yeah, you didn't sit down at Robin Williams' table. Could you just imagine sitting down with Robin Williams? Come on, man, snap out of it. Man, you got $100 million. Let's go take a vacation. Already been there. Let's go spend some money on nice cars. Already got them. Let's go become famous. Everybody will follow you on Instagram. Already got it. Let's go have a wife and kids. Already got them. How do you think somebody takes their life? You think they start off 2017 saying, I'm going to kill myself three months from now? Do you see the difference between the suicidal person and the saved person is a very slim line. This very, very slim line. It's a very slim line between the one who comes to Christ and the one who kills themselves. Because the language is very similar. For you to come to Jesus, you must deny yourself. And every one of you have come to that reality. If you're a Christian, think about it. And it's a very thin line. Here is the line. The Christian says, I know everything here is worthless, but there's more worth and value in God. The suicidal says, there's nothing worth anything. There is no God or there is no hope and help for me. Do you understand? It's a thin line. And our culture is waking up. Our culture is waking up to the facade of the, the Wizard of Oz thing. They're waking up to realizing there's nothing behind it. You get to the top and there's nothing there. You work so hard this year. You will work so hard. Some of you, you're just like, if I can just finish college, I can just get this job. If I can just have this marriage, if I could just, you will work so hard this year to get there. And when you get there and you open up that package, you have your wedding day, you have your whatever you've been wanting, your graduation ceremony, you will look at it like it's vapor. Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine, puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. See, the church is that rock and that foundation we're building with God and his word. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. You see, here's the opposite message that some of you want to hear this year. But i got to tell it to you to be real. Some of you will have streams come against your house. Some of you will have the winds blow against your house this year. Some of you in 2007. 17 may have to bury mothers and fathers and even wife and children. Death may come to you. Poverty and pain and problems. Yet you will not fall. 
because your foundation will be on the rock. And yes, you were made for more than that. Poverty can turn into riches. Sickness can turn into health. Yes, the curse can turn into a blessing. But I want some of you to be prepared this year. When you hear the storms blowing outside your house, there is a foundation. There is a rock. There is a place to run and come to. That is the Word of God found in the church of God. It was the church of God that translated that Bible, that was given that Bible and preaching that Bible. And it is this place that we will fill up these chairs over and over again with those who want to hear the Word of God and build their lives upon it. Because everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Many of you, you're working for fools. Our government is full of fools. Do you understand? They're foolish. Their life is crumbling around them. Oprah Winfrey, we're watching her life crumble around her. We're watching all of these entertainers. They're crumbling all around us. This woman, think about Oprah Winfrey just for a moment. This woman, all she wanted to do was speak to women and influence women. And what are women here to do? I'm not saying this is all we're here to do, women. But you're here to what? Have a husband, have a family, and start children. She had none of that, but she had a career, and her career will be like sand in her hand. I understand women want to be career women. Go ahead and do it. But listen to me. When your career is dead and gone, and it will not comfort you. It, I mean, when you're dead and gone, there will be no comfort from your career. You'll perish in ever, forever, hell, and hell forever. But your children, your loved ones will comfort you in the life to come. I'm going to heaven with my family. I can't bring a building. I don't care about a big church. I'm not here just for 100000 for the big church. I'm here for Jesus and to influence my family and your family so we can have eternity with God. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. I wonder if I'll live long enough to see the great crash of America. I wish I had an example up here because I have so much energy in me right now. Are you listening to me? I haven't preached for enough. I had to give up two services for two weeks. I had to give up leadership meetings. These holidays have got it in me. Are you listening to me? Because this is what I feel like I wish I could do right now. I wish I could put a brick up here, right here, a brick. And just take a hammer, like a sludge hammer, and just crush it. And you just hear the sound of it. And just watch it splatter into pieces. That is what's going to happen to our lives without Jesus. That's what's going to happen to everybody without Jesus. How many want Jesus this year? i got to share this in closing. You, church starts when you come and ends when you leave. I'm sorry to be sassy, but i got to finish this. God's put it on my heart. Some of the round, wrong foundations that we have is a family foundation. You say, Pastor, that's stupid. What are you talking about? Family foundation. How could that be wrong? Because if you make family your foundation in 2017, you will be disappointed and misguided by your need to provide. You will be deceived by your value and disappointed in your relationships. And ultimately, you and your family will perish in hell because you made you and your family the foundation instead of God and his word. Luke chapter 14, verse 16 says this. Look at what Jesus said to you. He loves your family more than you'll ever love your children. He loves your wife more than you'll ever love them. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. You see why that's so close to suicidal thinking? It's the man saying, I'm desperate for God. I don't want anybody getting in the way of me and God. My creator, not my mother, not my father, not even my own children. This is so important to me because if I don't, 
Such a person can't be a disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. The only way I can bring Bethany and Hannah to heaven with me is if I deny them and follow Christ first. And say, Bethany and Hannah, you will not control me. You will not manipulate me. You will not force me into a false belief system. I will serve God. Somebody says, what if your daughter turns to be a lesbian? What if your children grow up and do, I will serve God. They can go to hell if they want. I will serve God. Are you listening to? They will not force me to turn my back on Jesus Christ. One of my best friends, his son smoked weed and had a wife and got a divorce. He's from the Raven team, Pastor Troy Bond, one of the greatest men of God I've ever known. And he said, if God was willing to lose Adam and Eve in the garden and he did everything for them, perfect body, perfect relationship, perfect earth, if he was willing to give them will to choose and live without them I'm willing to live without my son but I will not go to that place without praying every day for him and preaching the gospel to him you see family foundation will deceive you you will think you are a good mother you will think you are a good father you will think you have set them up for success but you will fail them in the end imagine right now I hang you over a cliff I hang you over the cliff imagine I do that and it's crazy, but we do. We hang you over a cliff. And then we say, now hold on to your wife. You know, like cliffhanger. Hold on to your wife. And then now have your wife hold on to your daughter. And now have your daughter hold on to your other daughter. Talking about you right here. And then to your third daughter. How long can you hold on? You all will perish. Now imagine if I say this, clip on. Now tell her to clip on. She can't hold on to you. She has to clip on to what you're clipped on to. She makes her choice. Clip on or perish. The first thing the man of God does is says, honey, I've clipped on. 2017 belongs to Jesus. My job will not take my soul. These, these kids' functions will not take my soul. I have clipped on to Jesus. We will live in a one-bedroom shack in the south side, wherever, you know, no offense to the south side, but we will live wherever we, I used to live in the west side. We will live wherever we have to live, in other words. We'll live in a shack in the suburbs if we have to. But we will not go to hell with the family. Are you listening to me? Another false foundation people want to build upon this year. You're hearing it all the time is happiness. Be happy. Have a happy new year. Happy new year. Happy, happy, happy. But if you make happiness your foundation, you will be frustrated in pain. You will not understand why you're in pain in this world. You will not understand why sickness comes to your body and comes to your family. You will not understand why there is pain in the world. You will have to deny. You see these guys who quit their jobs and go travel around the world. Hey, that looks cute for a little while, but you know what? They're living in la-la land. Because while they're doing that, you know what's happening? North Korea is one of the worst dictatorships of our entire world. You're doing nothing for anybody but you and your four no more so you can live on the coast of Hawaii. Shame on you. Give your life to others. Give your life to the care of others. Help and serve. Don't run. Come to the battle. You'll be frustrated in pain, and you will be absorbed in idolatry because your happiness will be the idol you bow down to every day, saying, oh, idol of happiness. I only go to the churches that make me happy, that leave and that, you know, start and end at a certain time. Oh, you idol of happiness. Oh, I only do this for me and my happiness. Oh, you idol of happiness. You will bow down to an idol called happiness. You will serve it until your death. And you know what will happen? You will be kept from true joy. Your idol will fail you. Your idol will fail you. Read the book of Jeremiah and what he says about all their parties. They were literally dancing and partying as the enemy was coming. 
You will be dancing and partying as judgment comes. And you will suffer an eternal torment. And then false religion is a false foundation. Well, what about all these other religions, Pastor? What about Jesus, you know, of the Hindus? What about how he's a prophet in this religion? What about, you know, this belief system? You will fail in that foundation. You will be separated from the triune God. He has no other partners. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you, instead of being partnered with the triune God, you will be partnered with the devil. I want everybody to hear me today. There's nobody here that loves Jehovah Witnesses more than me, Mormons more than me, Roman Catholics more than me, Muslims more than me. I have written an entire book on Islam, written an entire book about a false Christ in the devout Philippines. I don't even put it up here because I don't want anybody to hear his name. And I don't want my kids or your kids pointing to it going, who is that guy? Because he claims to be a, a Christ. You know, he's a false Christ. But I wrote a book. Nobody loves these followers more than me. But listen to me. They are partnered with the devil. They are workers of Satan. They are here to lie to you and to deceive you. It's not cute praying to statues. It's not cute confessing your sins to Father Tom. It is not cute when these people come. They are lost and they are deceived. We must love them. We must be compassionate for them. But we must understand this. They are lost, my friends. They will be told this on the judgment day. You have done all of these good works, but I know you not. You are a worker of iniquity. Depart from me, for I never knew you. If you love them, you'll tell them the truth. Can I hear an amen? Ask yourself whether or not you've done this today, not for my sake, but for your sake. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Have you done this today? Have I done my job for you today? If I have to start this New Year's with different people, I will. But those of you who are here, who are here for the right reasons, I want to give my life with you to serve this city. How many want to do that? How many want to do that for real? Give your life for the kingdom of God. You seek his kingdom first. You seek it first in your family. Well, first in your personal life and then your family. And all that's important to you. Because all of those things follow as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. The church is the foundation for truth in the world. I would debate anybody who says anything otherwise. And sometimes, you know, people hear me talk about debate and they just think, oh, you know, Pastor, I don't know about that. It's kind of confrontational. What do you think Jesus did? He went right up to where they were at, and he debated them, and he said, you guys are wrong. They said, Herod keeps hearing about you calling him names, and he's upset with you, and he wants you to stop. Do you know what he then said back to those? He said, go tell that fox, I'll preach wherever I want to preach. Sounds like a good preacher to me. He loved Herod enough to call him a fox, because he was a sneaky little fox. He was, and he loved Jewish people enough to call them snakes and vipers. And he loved, he loved Peter enough to look at him and say, get behind me, Satan, because he knew Satan was a liar. Do you understand that? We have to love this culture enough to tell them the truth. I'm just going to say this one last thing in closing for the fourth time. When you come to this church, you're not doing me a favor. When you stay late right now, you're not doing me a favor. You've done nothing for me in that way. I'll make a living another way, but keep preaching this way. Do you understand? I preached like this before there was enough of you to give me a living. That's not, that's inconsequential to me. What you are doing is saying you're seeking God. That's what you're doing. If you don't do that, you're a hypocrite. But if we're together, we go out there and we change the world. And so when you invite your neighbor, like I have neighbors that don't go to church, and I invite them. See, one's a Hindu. They're, you know, one's family's a Hindu, literally, on this side. And then the other side, they're, uh, they're atheists from, uh, where are they, from Thailand? I have people from India and Thailand right next to me, and then I have people from the Czech Republic on the other side. Like literally a triangle of three nations, and none of them serve God. It's, it's literally like the, the whole nation. Muslim here, a Eastern Asian here, but have now become atheists, and then Hindu, all from the motherlands, and Hindu uh, 
from India. Are you listening to me? When I invite, oh, and then the Catholic, I got right down the 2,000 doors down. I literally have the whole world there on my block. I'm being said serious. Muslim, Hindu, Asian, Catholic. When I invite them to church and I preach to them the gospel and I help shovel their driveway, do all these kind things for them, and we share food together, right? When I'm doing all of that, I'm showing them the kingdom of God. I'm telling them that I love them this way. When I tell when I tell the man here Islam is wrong, I'm loving him. When I tell the atheist we were we were sitting down and we were watching our kids play drinking a brewski. While we were watching our kids play, I said, "Do you believe in God?" He said, "No." Then I said, "Your daughter is nothing but a little bit of dust that's here and gone, and her life is meaningless." I said, "How does that make you feel?" And he goes, "He's a PhD engineer." He goes. I never thought of it that way. And I go, that's a life without God. That is the truth. Her life is meaningless and so is yours. And when I talk to my friends from the Hindu faith, I tell them, show me what your gods have done. Let's go right toe to toe, toe to toe right now. Let's bring out our our battle bots. Let's bring out our superheroes. You bring out Batman, I'll bring out Superman. Let's go. Jesus died, resurrected. Here's the proof. Gave him a video and said, show me what your gods have done. Jesus and his word are the foundation for the church and the kingdom of God and God's righteousness encompass Christ our king, the church and his word. Here it is in closing. I guess it had to get to this, didn't it? Somewhere somewhere we had to end with this. What are you going to do for 2017? So if I go long, forgive me today. This is important to me. What are you going to do? All of you guys are writing down your dreams and your visions, aren't you? Everybody's writing down stuff, and I will do this. I will stay and pray for you because the Lord gave me this message, and the Lord gave me three groups to pray for. So if you stand up, we'll dismiss after that. But if you really care about what the three groups I have to pray for, stay and hear what I have to say, I'll pray for you because I'm not here to make anybody stay. But God told me to pray for three groups, three groups of people. And I'll pray for anybody. As a matter of fact, who wants to start this new year right. What are you going to do? How about love God and love people? Whatever I do, I'm going to love him. I'm going to love others. I look at Ishmael right now and his, his wife and family. You know, they are making a difference in their neighborhood through their witness. There's a woman there that does photography. She's come to my house, and she has spoken so well of you guys. She says that her family goes to church because of your witness to her. Well done. Keep reaching out. Keep reaching out. We're going to connect through our life groups. You know, I can always tell when people are going to fall off from church because I'm a social media guy. You know when I can tell? You may think I'm stupid or crazy or just a stalker, but I'll tell you what, I can tell. I can take you to people right now that are not in these chairs, and I'll take you right to their Facebook, and I'll tell you why they're not here because their Facebook tells it all. It's where they're sharing their life. I can always tell because the people of the church aren't cool anymore. They don't want to go over to these people's houses anymore, and you start seeing them more and more over here sharing photos. Now, nothing wrong with having friends outside the church, but you just see there's a disconnect. It goes more and more and more. It's like a dial, and it starts going like this, and then bing, 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 bing. We don't like church anymore. You know why? You know why I can't eat lasagna at 10 o'clock at night on a Wednesday? You know, you know why I can't? Because I've already stopped at McDonald's and gorged myself after King's Kids with all my kids. I've eaten all the chicken nuggets I can. I've eaten all the, you guys know what I'm talking about. I've eaten about 10 chicken nuggets. I've eaten three cheeseburgers, one large fry. And at 10 o'clock on Wednesday, I am done. I can't eat another thing. And you know what? You do it to that point, you will forget the taste of that mama's lasagna. You'll forget the smell of it. You keep hanging out with these worldly folks, worldly ambitions, worldly, you will forget the taste of heaven. 
And you'll wonder why it doesn't compel you to come to church anymore. It's because you're so full of this world. You, but you know what? Connect to life groups. Every single one of you, find a life group here. I don't want to keep being sassy. You don't like ours? Go find another church and like theirs. Are you listening to me? Stop making excuses. And then what do you do? You get mentored. You get discipled. Now, some of you don't want to do this here, but you want to come to the church and you want to be great people. But listen to me. This is what we do here. We make disciples. If you don't want to be a disciple here, go be a disciple somewhere else. Just go be a disciple. If you think you can be a disciple by yourself without being made a disciple, you don't know what a disciple is. Disciples are made. They're made. Go, he told his disciples, go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. You make them. I make them. I'm making them now. Do you guys get that? I know I haven't smiled enough. i got to smile more. I'm making disciples now. Go be made one. Go find a mentor and be made one. If you don't agree with our standards, change your standards or change your church. It's that simple. I move and groove with elders and deacons here that we set the standards. We're not perfect at doing that, but we do our best to make these standards. So let's say you're an older person and you say, well, I don't want a younger person discipling me. I've been in church too long. Well, then go to the old folks home, join their church and be discipled there. Are you listening to me? Go there. Go let, go let Mar Maggie or Margie, Margie, Margie disciple you. Then send, do evangelism. Everybody look up at me, please. Jesus said to his disciples, I will make you fishers of men. If you don't want to stand out on this corner and preach the gospel with us, if you are ashamed of us, if you are embarrassed, if you are too afraid to trust us, you, my friend, are in disobedience to God. I have read this Bible. I have read this Bible from front to back many times. I know the commands of this Bible. You and I are commanded to go preach. My friends tell me all the time, well, I've tried that because they get motivated by my preaching and they know the command is there. And they, I have one friend specific, I can name his name and most of you would know him in his church. And he says, Joe, you convicted me. I went and did it. I told my people to did it. It didn't work. Nobody came to church. I think advertising and those things are today's modern evangelism. He told me that and I said, you are wrong. I said, I do it not even for it to work. I do it out of obedience. It doesn't matter if it works or not. I am not here promoting a church. I am a pillar when I stand and preach when I knock on a door when I go to Wright College I am there as a pillar to this society police officers see me bus drive a bus driver dear God help me preach right now a bus driver stopped and saw us and said I'm so glad I see somebody preaching we are witnesses not only to the lost but we are witnesses to the church of this culture saying God is alive God's not dead he's surely alive he's living on the inside roaring like a lion and we're bold enough to tell the world whoa come on somebody and you may say you may say well then pastor where did the hundred thousand come from i will i will take you to the apartment where it came from at there on addison and pulaski right there by saint vider's church right there in the living room i hadn't even yet married my wife we started the church in march of 05 got married in june of that same year i just remember pacing and i said dear god we need you in this city we need so many disciples in this city god would you give me a 
vision. I'm a 28-year-old man. God, I got a lot of life left in me. Lord, would you give me a vision that would keep me busy for the rest of my life? And the Lord said, how big can you dream? And I said, God, I've heard about churches overseas that number in the hundreds of thousands. And God, America's never had a church that big. And the Lord said, would you believe me for 100,000 in America? And I said, yes, Lord, I'll believe you for that. And then he said, how many campuses do you think there'd have to be? And I'm just talking with the Lord. And I said, Lord, it would probably be about a good 50, 50 churches with 2,000 apiece. And then he said, do you have a heart for the nations? And I said, yes, Lord. He said, how many do you think I can put over the nations? And I said, God, let's start with 500. Let's change the world. That is where it happened in a prayer closet, in intimacy. That was the same thing that was preached to every single one of you. We have to make a decision. What do we believe? And are we willing to live and die for it? I believe in this thing. I believe in your lives. I believe in what we do for Jesus here. Because it affects your family, doesn't it? When you go home, don't you have a blessed family? Don't you have blessed children? I see these men here and all of our children. Go get the children. Let's close with all the families here, please. Go get them for me. Are your children blessed? Has this church kept, has the Lord kept his word to you in this church? How many lives have been changed here? How many children have been changed here? How many of us came here one way or now another way? Come on, Daryl, look at you. How were you when you first came here? Were you the husband that you are today? Were you the father that you are today? Come on, Andrew, you and I remember the sitting down at a Chipotle's. You were just a young man, kind of lost and confused, backslidden from church because it had let you down. And I sat and looked across from you, and I said, man, you have a call on your life to be a leader. I said, you're more mature than all these other men your age. And I said, I could see you marrying like a Kim Walker, like a worshiper, you fulfilling this dream. He married a single mom, adopted the daughter has led his church, uh, led his family like a church. You guys are all pastors of your homes. Come on, Monique. What, how, what was your life like when we found you? That's right, suicidal, giving up on life, not loving, not loving yourself. This is what it takes. It takes us all believing in what God can do through the church. I am sorry if going late upsets some of you, but this is what I live and die for. This is what will change your job. You know that Ishmael, listen to me, Schwartz, you know that Ishmael was faithful during our last summertime to pray for coworkers and friends. Because we said we're going to pray as elders and deacons for coworkers. And nothing blessed me more than when he came with one of his coworkers on baptism day. What was his name? Was he a coworker? It was a friend. Where did you know that friend from? From your school. And he got baptized that day. What's it going to take? Do you know that this man right here, do you know that this man has taken on an entire family? Bring them all in. Come on in, kids. He is so, he's like a little Andrew. I'll tell you that right now. He has taken on his family, starting a business this year. Come on, guys. Find your family. Everybody sit with their mommies and daddies. Run. Run. Let's give it up for our kids. Y'all probably were bored back there going crazy, huh? Everybody sit with your mommies and daddies. Look at this guy. The party don't stop with this one right here. The party's still going on. Look at my girl. She got her little crown on. Look at you, little buddy. How many of us want to do it for our kids? 
How many are ready to live a new year with a new life? Take them to their mommies and daddies. They're, here, put mine right up here. There you go. Just lay it right there. What's your name? What's your name? <laughs> What's your name? You're shy. What's your name? We'll work on that later. Come on up. Who knows their name? We'll start with that. What's your name? Bethany. What's your name? Hey, guys, stay up here. Come on, family. Stay up here. Oh, man, I will cry like a baby right now. This is it for me. Come on, Nancy. Come on up here, please. This is it. You want to know where the kingdom of God is for me? Right here. I give my life for this. But I had to know who Jesus was. That's, that's it. You may say, Pastor, I know people that can make babies like this without knowing Jesus, but they will not last like us. And then my children will be their kings and queens in the, kingdom, in the age to come. <laughs> because these are kingdom kids. What do we call our children's programs? You think that's just because we're playing around? These are princesses in the kingdom to come. These are, this is the kingdom of God among men. What do you think it's like when Superwoman comes down to Earth? Supergirl. You guys watch Supergirl? No. What's the show? You, I thought you watched Supergirl. Some, Sometimes. What is the one that has special powers? What's the one you watch? It is Supergirl. Do you, do you like Supergirl? Yeah. What if I told you you are the Supergirl to this world? I would like it. Who's your favorite, who's your favorite superhero? What if I told you Superman will pay tribute to you one day? Uh, what, what if I told you you can beat up Superman one day? Uh, no. You don't know. <laughs> the Bible says kings and queens will come before us, and they will offer up their tribute to the sons and daughters of God. The Bible says this land belongs to the church of Jesus Christ. Do you know that that's why now they hate us? Do you know that? Why is it in every regime, every communist regime, every atheist regime, why is it one of the first people to go is the, is the Christians? Get them out. Because they know they have a sense of authority. They command the angels of heaven. The angels of heaven are our servants. And the kingdom of God is with us. And this is how we live for Jesus. How many want to live for Jesus with their family? Amen. Let's stand up and give it up for Jesus. We love you. Let's all stand up together. I have preached an hour and 43 minutes. And literally, I had so much more I wanted to say. Ishmael, would you join me up here with your family? I want to get some of our elders' families up here. Where's some more of our elders? Uh, uh, Sienskis, come join us up here. Salvador, bring your family up here, por favor. Come on. You want to see what elders' families look like? Would you stand over there, please? Let them. Come on, guys, go over here. Let's make room for elders and their families. Come on, this way. There you go. Look at this. Look at this. Ricky and Rachel, come on. Look at this. This is your church. Elders, they believe this message. You know why Salvador believes this message? It's because he was a young man. Were you doing drugs when I first met you? Smoking weed and partying? How many would probably look at him today and still think he's doing it? <laughs> Come on up here. 
You know when I first met her? Well, not when I very first met her, but around that same time, she was bartending. Griselda was bartending and did a picture like this with her corona. And I just said, man, we got to win her to the Lord. You know how I first met Berto? I first met, come on up here, Ricky. Let's give it up for Ricky as he comes. He always wants to make an entrance. He's always got to stand out. He's the pretty, he's the pretty one. Pretty Ricky. You know how, you know how I first met uh, 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 Eddie Berto? He came here because he was from a Catholic church, and he started feeling Jesus in the Catholic church. And somebody told him, hey, man, you think that's something? You need to come to my church. It gets a lot more real than that. We led him to the Lord at the end of a Bible study. Ishmael was brought up in a family that took his mother took him to church, but you never really lived with your dad, did you? You never lived with Poppy? No. Poppy was never around, was he? Poppy was not there. <laughs> you grew up as a mama's boy, didn't you? Total mama's boy. Total mama's boy. That's why we still got this right here. We got to help you with your New Year's resolution. Too many tacos, too many tacos. Mama just make. I, I went, I, you guys know the story, but I went to his mother's village. We preached the gospel there. His mother just waits on him hand and feet. It is like his own taqueria. His mother is like his own taqueria. Where's, where's, where's Lauren? Where's Lauren at? Lauren's got a testimony. You guys got to ask her to show you some of her Facebook pictures from way back. Some of her hood pictures. These are the people that are just like you leading the gospel. My question is, where are we going to be a year from now? You guys want more children? Anybody going to have another baby this year? You got a baby coming. You, you have a definite no. Lauren's pregnant wherever she's at. We're going to go for number six this year, aren't we? Yes, just not even sure. <laughs> I don't know. She's like, I don't know about that. When have you ever seen a dude continually want to have kids and the wife's like, no, I'm done. I'm good. Women are normally the opposite. Let's pray right now. Father, I thank you for our families. I thank you for what this church is built upon, elders and deacons.